So if you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be in one of the most typical community building passages of the Bible. If you have read your Bible and you have known scripture for some time, you know where we're going with this. In fact, the, the subtitle of the, the title of the passage in Acts is the fellowship of the believers. So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how can we together build community. And what I've noticed, here's why I had you... Here's why I had you uh, just seek out some people you didn't know, is that what I've noticed is that in our church, we're under 100 people, but we really have three groups of people in our church. We have three different groups of people. One is that we have those that have been here for some time. I mean, you, you know the stories. You know the transitions, times when you met in other spaces, when you had other pastors. Some of you were here when Mark Collins was the pastor, while John Skippington was the pastor in the transition. And you, you have been here for some time. And so that's one group of people. The second group of people that is in our church is those who have come over in the transition with John and I, and they are new. They're new faces. They're from, some are from Mount Vernon. Some are from ministries that, that I had led, and, and they've come over to be a part, to, to serve, and, and to see what's going on here. And so that's the second group, those that are new. And then, then we have those that are new that I haven't even myself met. And we've, we've had new people come in since January. And so we have these three groups of people and these communities in the midst of them. And so we have those that have been here for some time. We have those that have, that have come over with us in transition. And we have those that are coming in new to all of us. And so here's these three groups of community. And then in the midst of that, as we meet in the community center, we have the community around us whether it be the other church community, secular community, the town of Cedra Woolley is its own community. And so we really have within the church, we have these three different groups of community and we have our outside community. And I believe what God is really calling us to is unity in community. And so I think the issue is we're not there yet. And I don't mean that as a as some negative thing that we're gonna dig in and we're just gonna be like, man, we're failing, we're failing hard, we gotta do better, we gotta try more. But, but to face that reality and go, I just met some people here who have been here for a while and I was not aware of that. It's really kind of interesting, in fact, for me, when I meet with someone and they share uh, their struggles, I've met with many of you here and, and as sharing either, either a struggle or you sharing where you're at, your interests, I, I go, yeah, it's kind of like that person in the church and they're going, oh, I, I don't know who you're talking about. And remember, we're only 100 people. I mean, in, in the larger community, we understand that you can get lost in that. Um, but here we have an opportunity to know each other well. And so this morning, my, my hope, what I think we really need is to really look at some, some biblical examples in the context of building community. And this is where we see the church just begin. If you don't know the story of Acts 2, in the beginning of the book of Acts, after Jesus is resurrected from the dead, Jesus appears to his disciples, spends time with them, sends into heaven, then the Holy Spirit falls on the believers and the church begins to grow. Peter preaches this big message. Everyone's like, who's this guy preaching? This is not the guy we know who's kind of uh, aloof and, and kind of weird. And he's preaching the word and, and now the church is planted and it's growing. And so the believers gather together and it's new. It's exciting. And they, 
gather together in this fellowship. And in Acts 2, what we see is this description of what the church was like. What the church was like. And, and I mean, like for you, maybe those of you that have been married for a while, you know that probably back when you were dating, you wanted to spend every moment with that person. You wanted to spend every moment. And now you're like, I just need to be alone. <laughs> just need to be alone. And sometimes I think there, there's a crossover between marriage and church. Uh, we see that even in Ephesians where Paul uses that example. And I think that relationship is similar. And so in the newness of it, we see where the church establishes relationships together. And it's going, man, I want every moment with you. I want every moment to be where we're growing together in Christ. And so we see this excited group as we pick up in Acts 2. We're going to start in verse 42. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so this community was gathered together with a great intention. And there's a couple things that, that for them to build community, there's a couple things that were really important. And I think for us, these are some things that we can apply this morning that help us really gather with intention. Because we don't all gather daily. And in this Western culture, we're really, really busy. I was telling Frank earlier that last, uh, this last week I had one day with seven meetings and I just walked away just exhausted and just so tired. And we're so busy often, we're not taking moments always to be together. And so as we look to build community, I think there's a couple things that the early church really devoted themselves to together. And, and what they realized, man, this is what it takes for us to build intentional community And so the first thing, if you're taking notes, is that building community takes devoted fellowship. It takes devoted fellowship. See, the word fellowship has seemed to have gotten lost over time. I mean, you never really hear someone anymore just say, hey, we should get together and fellowship. I mean, you just look at them and go, you are weird. This is uncomfortable. That becomes a word that is just kind of what, it becomes a Christian language that not many understand. But if we were to look at the original text that the writer Luke is writing in, the Greek word for fellowship, I'm gonna give you some some biblical knowledge here, and I'm gonna try and say this correctly, but bear with me. The, The Greek word for fellowship is koinonia, And that indicates sharing something intentionally. So the K-O-I-N-O-N-E-A. So in this, with fellowship intentionally, as they're sharing this together, the early church formed a tight community. They They formed this tight community, not just based on physical common things, but spiritual things. So actually, if you look up the word fellowship, if you ask for a definition from Google for the word fellowship, it says friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. 
So there's an association there. There's a gathering with some intention. You have similarities. But if you look up the word Christian fellowship, adding the word Christian on Google adds a completely different definition. In fact, it adds that Greek word. And it says the essentials of this Greek word, koinonia. And so this word, fellowship, in the Christian context actually involves more than just friendly association. That word fellowship that we see in Acts 2 that we read about talks about community, communion, joint participation, sharing, and intimacy. Those are a lot of specific words to define fellowship. And so you have fellowship in the context of just a normal group of people, but Christian fellowship, fellowship centered around Christ is intimacy. It's sharing together. It talks about community and communion, joint participation. So the word fellowship alone just kind of sounds distant. It seems surface and just kind of gather when we can. But the word Christian in front of it demands a whole new meaning. Demands this whole new meaning and a whole new devotion. That it's not just casual fellowship, but it's devoted fellowship. And so what, what's interesting is today we see more and more people are leaving the church. More and more we see this. I mean, you can read articles, you can watch videos, you can read books about why people are leaving the church. And some are very, very legitimate. Some are very real. And I think some are illegitimate and, and, and we're not in devoted fellowship together. And so I think it's interesting how, how there's this idea that we can leave the church and still be the church. And, and, and we have this, this almost passive approach to what fellowship really looks like. It's not what we see in the New Testament. It's not truly devoted. It's casual. It's surface. It's I'm, I'm good at a distance, but let's not get intimate. That's too much. And so we have people that are disconnected of, of, by what they've seen. They have judgments on what the church looks like. They don't like how it feels. And some are legitimately honestly broken, have not experienced a, a, a church body that is embracing them with grace and truth. They're broken by issues, by things not addressed. And then some are leaving, quite honestly, I think, because not because we're strained from the word, but, but because we've just messed with their religion, where, where they just want to sit cozy in a chair and don't you dare convict me on a Sunday morning. And they don't like that. And so they want to go somewhere where the lights are big, People are shallow and the investment is little. And so what we need truly is devoted fellowship. I mean, there's nothing more Christ-like than challenging one another, than stirring one another on to be more sincere, being full of grace and truth. I mean, we see that from Jesus. There's nothing more Christ-like than stirring one another on in this. But there's this, there's this struggle. I think there's one group that's really hurt and, and one group that's really confused. And we come at each other very broken trying to resolve the issue. But let's be honest about something in the midst of trying to resolve something. We're all part of the problem. When Dave Browning was here a couple weeks ago, he says people are the problems and the possibilities when it comes to church. I think that line is incredibly true. People are the problems and the possibilities in church. And so we need to look at this with an intention of devoted fellowship. We need to be real about where we're at. 
We've talked about community more times than I can count in the last year, and we have to be intentional. I think the great example I told you that I think there's times where the church just parallels perfectly with, with the marriage relationship. I mean, no couple desiring to work through their relationship, work through their marriage intentionally is going to tell one another, honey, our marriage isn't doing well, so you need counseling. And you go off to counseling, and you get better, and when our marriage seems really good, you come back and we'll get together. And, and we'll, we'll ride off into the sunset of a happy marriage. No, the two sit with an advocate for them. They sit together and say, where's the issue? What do I need to own? Where are we at with this? They spend intentional time together. There's devoted fellowship. Things get intimate. Things get real. And I think that's where we need to gather. With our perfect advocate, Christ. Where we gather together and go, okay, the issue isn't just you. There's an issue with you. But there's an issue with me. We need to get real about this and say, okay, I'm going to be devoted. I'm going to be devoted to the fellowship of this group of people. I think the second thing that we see for, about building community is that it takes common unity. Now, I, I know that kind of sounds like a play on words, but in verse 44 of what we read earlier, it says, All who believed were together and had all things in common. And see, in this verse, there's something important that sticks out about this that helps us clarify what common unity is. It's in their belief. It's in their belief together because you have probably, most likely, you have all these different generations together. You have all these different backgrounds coming together in a, in a specific community to be unified under something common. Does that sound familiar? Kind of sounds like here. We don't all have the same background. We don't all have the same church experience. We don't, have, we don't all have the same age, the same job. We come from all different backgrounds. So how can we have all things in common? How can we have all of that in common? And so what, what Luke is writing here about the early church is what they had in common was all based upon their beliefs based upon their beliefs. And there's, there's really three things in here that he's talking about when it comes to their beliefs, is that when it came to the truth of the gospel, they were unified in that. So they were doctrinally sound. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to it, not wavering, going, okay, we're gonna believe this piece right here together, but there's a group over here that thinks this is, this is a better answer. Okay, so we're going to go Jesus here, we're going to go plus this over here, and plus this over here, and, and, and we're just going to be unified, but, but kind of scattered. No, they were unified together, not wavering from what they were being taught. Saying, this is the truth. We don't waver from it at all. So they were committed to the truth. They were unified in the truth. I think the second thing, too, is that they were unified in the table. When it came to communion, it said they were eating this meal together. And so the early Christians found this common ground in the Lord's Supper. And this morning, what we're gonna do after service is we're gonna take in the Lord's Supper together. And so the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ was what they found unity in. That's what they had common ground in. And then the third that we see throughout the whole book of Acts is that they were unified when it came to the throne, when it came to prayer. 
So they were unified in the truth, the table, and the throne. They possessed an active prayer life. This wasn't just something that was just kind of in a momentary glance. It wasn't just something that they kind of looked at from moment to moment. They were dependent upon prayer. I mean, in fact, if you read just two chapters later in Acts chapter four, when the church was under attack, the apostles were getting abused, beaten, brought before the council. The disciples were just all scattered through persecution. The church prayed specifically for boldness. Going, Lord God, make us bold. That we may be able to continue to preach. They were common in their unity. They were joined together. Both seeing the same resolve for the issue. And so the early church believers were not just gathered together under common things physically, but spiritually. They were unified together. And the writer of Hebrews reminds us of this again. He reminds us again because as time goes on, when we face persecution, when we face hard times, our tendency is to isolate. When we face hard times, we don't lean into relationships. In our culture, we lean away from them. I just got to deal with this. I just got to carry this. I've just got to contain this. But what the writer of Hebrews says is keep getting together. Keep stirring one another on. In Hebrews 10, the writer says in verse 24 and 25, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near gather together stir one another on be intentional with one another find your common unity to be in christ base it all upon christ and so building community for us takes a common unity specifically in christ and the third thing that we see is that building community takes care for one another It doesn't mean that we just show up together, but we're intentionally caring for one another. And I mean, we all know that one person, that one person that just does everything. I'm fine, I don't need help, I've got it, I'm good. And they just kind of carry it all and you're just kind of sitting along going, I could help, but I'll just kind of follow you. Okay, you've got it all, you've got it covered. And they're they're just continually saying, I've got it. See, for me, what we kind of talked about last week is that growing up, this is kind of how I often viewed relationship with Jesus. Jesus has just got it. He just wants me to perfectly be along for the ride. Don't talk up unless I'm told to. Don't, don't move unless there's this obvious peace, but I'm not really serving. I'm just kind of in the car with Jesus, but he's making, he's making all the calls and not the same as following the will of God. But just kind of going, I, I have really no part in this. I just have to try and be better. Just have to try and do more, but, but I'll never quite be good enough. And so it's kind of like we talked last week. It's, it's kind of like the religion says game. Kind of like we use that example with Simon says. You feel like you're pressing all the buttons and if you mess up, you gotta start over. And so you just feel like, man, I'm not getting it. I'm not doing good enough. But when Jesus showed up, what we see in the New Testament, in the Gospels, is that Jesus was incredibly different. 
And the biggest difference between Jesus and the religious leaders was the religious leaders said, change and you can join us. And Jesus says, join me and you'll change. He says, come follow me and watch all the change happen in your life. And so what Jesus did time after time is he invaded the lives of normal people, not perfect people. In fact, back in the day, if a religious leader was to take on somewhat of an apprentice, he would find the best of the best. And if he didn't quite fit that perfect model of someone who could be a high priest, he was sent away saying, go learn the family trade. You're not good enough to do this. And then Jesus shows up and he says, I'm gonna grab a fisherman I'm going to grab a tax collector. I'm going to grab all these guys from different backgrounds. And then when I'm gone, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab the guy who kills all of you, who, who just hates all of you. And I'm just going to turn him in a new way. And we're, we're going to call him Paul now. And he's going to write a bunch of stuff to the churches. You just see how Jesus works. He uses ordinary people for extraordinary things. And so Jesus was incredibly different. So Jesus gave the disciples, and he's giving you and I an opportunity to reach out. To, to not just follow along with this game, but to intentionally reach out. To intentionally be in community together. And so Jesus reached the disciples. And they reached others. And others reached you. So more and more we see Jesus begin to use people in the New Testament. And, and look at where it's reached of how he wants to use you and I. And so this morning, just think for a moment, you don't have to physically do this, but think for a moment what it would look like for you to lay all of your resources on the table. Just you and Jesus for a moment, sitting at a table. If you need to close your eyes to picture this, do so. But it's just you and Jesus at the table. Lay all your resources there. All your money, your car keys, your electronic devices, your clothing, your, your relationships, everything that you have, everything that you own. And I challenge you to pray this. God, I will give you all I have for all that you are. God, I will give you all that I have for all that you are. So we see this time and time again throughout scripture that in, in, in the Old Testament for Joseph, it was his position and his title. For, for Moses, it was his staff. For David, it was his sling. For Peter, it was his job. It was his boat, was his income. For Zacchaeus, as we talked about last week, it was his wealth. And for Saul... It was his pride and his position. So as we look to be an intentional community, to build community together, for care, to care for one another, I think what we need to do is we need to give what we have to Jesus. We need to fully give what we have to Jesus. Allow him to multiply it and accomplish what alone you can never do. Because if you're sitting at the table alone, gathering your things, you'll always decide of what's most important to you, of what you want. But sitting at the table with Jesus, he will always tell you what you need. 
And really what he wants is for you to want him. So for you and I to be community, to build community as we see in Acts 2 is really to gather with intention, to care for one another well. Not, not just in a, in a passing, hey, how are you? It's good to see you. But caring for the needs of those. What's at your table? Does that need to stay at your table or, or, or is God giving you a name, a person, a problem that you see that that needs to go to? I think, I think what we need to understand is as we see in Acts 2, this is not a perfect group of people. In fact, if you read on, every, here's what's funny. Everyone wants to be the Acts 2 church. Everybody wants to be the Acts 2 church, but no one wants to be the church of the the Corinthians. No one wants to be the church of the Ephesians. Nobody wants to be this group. Everybody wants to be the Acts 2 church. But what we often look at is here's all the problems. Here's, here's how we need to get back to that. I, I don't think you're going to get back to that. That was the church gathering in newness and what Paul and all of the New Testament writers continue to, to encourage them, stir them on towards is continue to build community under the common unity of Christ. They weren't perfect in it. They were intentional in it. That's where we begin to build community. It's not you and I trying to be perfect in it, but be intentional in it. So I really challenge you as you think about what's, what's on your table as you're sitting there with Jesus. I really challenge you to walk across the room. On a Sunday morning, in your group, walk across the room. Get outside of your bubble. And for some of you, that sounds excruciating. And, and I understand that. Not all of us are wired the same. I don't expect five names and five new relationships to develop for you. That's gonna take time. But really submit your bubble to Jesus. Lay that on the table. Engage with others. Stir one another on. Let's begin to build community together. There's great potential here. And I think if we see that together, if, if we acknowledge that right now what we've got is, is a couple of groups existing and we need, to become, we need to become one unified group, I think God's going to honor that. But we have to do the work, church. We have to acknowledge that there are needs here. We have to acknowledge and remember for us to build community together, it has to be built upon Christ. If we, built it, if we build it upon anything else, it'll easily fail. But for us to be devoted and united and caring for one another, it has to be built upon Christ.